This is another sports podcast. Hello, everybody, and thank you for tuning in to another damn sports podcast. I am Drew Torres, here with Money Mike Gilchrist. And uh, Mike, I don't really think there's many news going on with the NFL today, so what do you want to talk about? Huh. Yeah, I, I don't know. Nothing, uh, you know, it's funny. I saw a tweet the other day from somebody on this podcast that was not me saying, get this guy out of here. He's the worst. He needs to be gone. He needs to be fired. And Drew, something happened last night. Urban Meyer is no longer the head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars. You were probably asleep when this news broke, and you woke up to it. What did you think? Well, yeah, like like you said, I feel like I did just speak it into existence. You know, after uh, my last couple tweets about Urban Meyer, I was completely done with that motherfucker, okay? The dude was <laughs> so completely, like, emotionless on the sideline as his team was just imploding penalty after penalty, stupid mistake after stupid mistake and you they would just cut to him just standing there with his arms crossed just oh no care in the world you know this i don't even know what the fuck i'm doing so i'm just gonna sit here and not really respond to anything Uh, the team just looks terrible worse than they have all season and it was time for him to finally go after the stupid story that came out of him kicking josh lambo during the preseason uh workouts like what the hell are we doing here man like i get it he was so used to being in full control while he was a college football coach i get it these are men these are grown-ass men that are making just as much money and in some cases more money than you are there has to be a different take on how he comes in and there wasn't yeah he just didn't seem to get any nobody seemed to buy into this guy uh throughout the whole season nobody on the team uh, it seems that like he got in arguments with his coaching staff. Fans like you hated him. Uh, you know, it, it was awful from the start when you really think about it and you look at his tenure with the Jacksonville Jaguars, if you could even call it that. You know, you had the Tim Tebow thing over the summer. You had uh, him apparently kicking Josh Lambeau. You had him not riding home with the team after a close game in Cincinnati and going to one of his, you know, bars or whatever restaurant and having you know, what we saw with him with that woman on there. Uh, him holding on to a coach who was apparently racist or something. I remember that story being out there. Just thing after everything that went on about urban Meyer had nothing to do with winning football games. Nope. And this team was not competitive in the slightest bit. I mean, I look at their schedule here. They've lost by double digits in more than 70% of their games. Like they lost by seven to Atlanta. That was one close game. They, they beat the Bills and they beat Miami. But every other game, it seems like they have a double-digit loss. And as you've pointed out, they had trailed at every single point in one of those games. They have trailed in every single game for, I believe it's somewhere, 42 straight, 43 yeah. straight games. Like that, that's so infuriating as a fan. Like I don't know what it's like to watch my team just get a convincing win from start to finish. I don't know what that's like. Yeah. It's it, – it, 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 undoubtedly true that urban Meyer is arguably the second greatest college coach of all time, just based on records. I mean, his head, he had success at Florida. He had success at Ohio state. Other than the Nick Saban, it's hard to think of a head coach off the top of your head that is as successful in college football as urban Meyer, but the NFL is not college football. You, you said it earlier. These are grown men. These are not boys playing at college. Like, you know, when you're the college head coach, you're the man. These guys have to do everything that you say. 
But when it comes to professional athletes, these guys are professional athletes who a lot of times they know more than the head coaches do. Um, and they're, like you said, they're, they're getting paid just the same, if not more. So they're not going to take to an authoritative attitude all the time. Like, obviously they'll need it at some points. You need to have that authoritative position of being the head coach, but it just being abusive, verbally abusive and kicking your players ain't going to get them motivated to help you out. (laughs) And the thing is too, what's crazy to think about is if the Jaguars were winning, then whatever. I don't think this would have happened. I don't think all these stories would have come out. I, I don't think it would have been as blown up as it was. I, I, the kicking thing, obviously, is really dumb. But in terms of an authoritarian regime, I mean, look at the Patriots. It's been right. like that for decades. And that's because they've been winning. So who cares? But they also buy into Coach Belichick. The players right. love Bill Belichick. Exactly. They buy into his, into his uh, system. Because they, they know, know it's all about winning. And, and, and that's the problem with Urban Myers. He did not get the Jacksonville Jaguars to buy in. Nope. No, they, he absolutely did not. He, it sounds like the locker room was against him right from the get-go. Um, it seems like he didn't really have any chance to even win over these players. I thought it was hilarious that <clears throat> I saw a tweet that Trevor Lawrence's wife and DJ Chark's wife both liked the tweet immediately when uh, they announced that they were uh, firing Urban Meyer. So it's clear that even though the players didn't do that, do it themselves, they've been hearing some shit from these players outside of uh, the locker room um, about the coach. So it, it was a good choice. Shad Khan is an owner that's notorious for hanging on to coaches for way too long. He gave Gus Bradley four years, which was not the right decision because obviously they, they won like four games in four years. Um so I was happy to see that he finally was like, okay, like, like, like let's get ahead of it here. Get rid yeah. of this guy, move on. And like you said, you want to ask me, what's the future for the Jacksonville Jaguars? Is that correct? Yeah. Well, I mean, right now, Daryl Bevel was introduced as the interim head coach. He was the interim head coach last year when Matt Patricia got uh, fired. So he's familiar with the role of just stepping in a head coach midseason. but I don't think that he'll be the future head coach of the Jacksonville Jaguars. Now, correct me if I'm wrong here, and this can apply to anybody who has, is a fan of a team that's struggling. Like I can speak to this because the Giants stink. A Jets fan can relate to this. We don't give a fuck who the next head coach of our <laughs> team is. We just want them to hire someone who's going to bring our team success. Right? right? Yeah. Fair enough. But is there anybody that you've heard about or that you see them as a coordinator or that you uh, know of or read about that you're like, you know what? I really love to see what flavor they would bring the team or what they could do. If, if these, if somebody you believe in that can maybe get the Jaguar players that are there to buy in. Is there anybody that comes to mind? So the only name that is coming up in this, the circles of the Jaguar fans, and I've seen it even outside of Jaguars fans on, on social media is Byron Lefwich. Um, people seem to be excited about uh, his head coaching prospect after obviously he's been pretty successful in Tampa Bay. Um, it's tough with these offensive coordinators because it's always the offensive coordinators that have the best players, you know, like, like they have, there's a reason they're so successful. And it's not just because they're such good coaches. Like, I mean, he's been playing with Tom Brady over the past couple of years. Like, like, like how is he not going to be successful? So it's like, I don't really know much about the guy. So it's kind of hard to, to judge, right. but he just seems very young, you know, doesn't have a lot of experience, obviously in, in the coaching world. Um, so 
I'd be fine with it if they ended up going with him. Obviously, he has the Jacksonville Jaguars connection. We drafted him all those years back. He was supposed to be like a prodigy, and he ended up being okay at best um, as a player. Um, so I'm fine with that. Like you said, I don't really give a shit at this point. I just want a head coach that can get us wins. Yeah. I, and again, it, it, all that matters is that you, they pick the right guy, and it's very hard. It's hard to pick the right players, and it's hard to pick the right guy sometimes. Um, Trevor Lawrence is a generational talent coming into the NFL. I don't think he's had the greatest rookie season. No, um, he's coming so off who knows four interception game. I, <laughs> right. I mean, but, but th- there's a lot of potential there still. He, yeah. he still has a lot of potential there. And a guy I've heard, um, I heard Leftwich, but the other guy I heard that I thought would be an interesting choice was the offensive coordinator for the Kansas City Chiefs, Eric Bieniemy, who yeah. had an interview last year with yeah, the Jaguars. His name has been tossed around a lot over the past couple of years. And he's familiar with playing or uh, coaching a like a generational talent quarterback in Patrick Mahomes. Yeah. So I think he can use some of that knowledge. He comes from the Andy Reid tree of to- uh, of coaching, and can use some of that knowledge to help um, develop Trevor Lawrence. I think that you know when you look at the most successful NFL coaches, Bill Belichick, Mike Tomlin, um, and uh, Pete Carroll, they come from a defensive background, like they're defensive minded guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you'd also have like coach like Sean Payton, who's a successful offensive guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you have Sean McVay, who's an offensive guy. And I think for what the Jaguars have right now, the way their team is built, you have to build the team around Trevor Lawrence. So I think you need to get an offensive guy as, as the, an offensive minded guy. So I think like a B enemy or left, which is a smart idea, but they need to get somebody who's inside the NFL. They tried a college guy. Unfortunately, a lot of times college coaches are not successful when they come to the NFL. Look at Nick Saban. He came to the NFL. He shot right back to college. He left LSU to coach the Miami Dolphins. It didn't go well. Went, and he's had his run at Alabama ever since. Pete Carroll was the same way. Pete Carroll was the same way. Yeah, but Pete Carroll was also – he went from college to the NFL, back to college, and then back up to the NFL. So it's like, you know, his journey is a little bit different. Jim Harbaugh, successful coach at Stanford, had a few good years with the San Francisco 49ers, but eventually blew up and he went back to Michigan. Um, Chip Kelly, great coach in college, went to the Eagles, didn't have a great run there. And, um, you know. Yeah. No, no, it's definitely true. Like, I feel like with with college football coaches – it's just, like we said before, it's just a completely different game. Bobby Petrino wasn't even around for an entire season. He ended up leaving. I think I read this morning was like 13 games in, which is still longer than Urban Meyer's tenure. So, right. um, or is it? How many games have there been this season? 13 so far. He oh, lost okay. a, he, a two and 11 oh, record and he was out of there. <laughs> yeah. So it's kind of crazy to think that like the, that jump from college to the NFL from a coaching standpoint, it seems nearly impossible. Right. So, yeah, so I, I think the Jags, would, it would serve them best if they hired somebody who's already inside the NFL. Um, and see, and, 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 but you got you to gotta find somebody that is going to get your players to buy in and can really change the culture from the culture of like, oh, I hope we win this week or are we, gonna, are we not going to make mistakes to a team that's confident going into every football game that they can win. Yeah, I mean, and the thing is, finding the right coach isn't the only thing this team needs right now. This team needs a lot of fucking shit. I'm not going to go fully (laughs) into that because nobody wants to hear us talk about the Jags for too long, but it is just painful to watch this team every single week. Um, But I think greener pastures are ahead. Yeah, I think think, uh, you were right in that the owner has had a history of holding on to people for too long and 
at least this time around, he recognized that, look, this is really not going the direction we want it to go in. We are not getting better, as we talked about last week. So let's just cut our losses now and use this time to evaluate and figure out the direction we want to go to change things for the better. Is Joe Judge going to get fired? I hope so. (laughs) (laughs) Mike is off the Joe Judge train. Oh, man. I I mean, I I just don't – he hasn't done anything to make me think, oh, well, keep Joe Judge, you know. (laughs) It's not not that I hope he gets fired. It's that I'm like, I don't care. I have no emotional attachment to anybody on this team. None. None. I have a Barkley jersey hanging up in their closet. If we have to trade him to get uh, some picks or a a few pieces that we need more desperately, I'm all for it. Uh, Daniel Jones, I feel bad for the guy because it seems like he's going to be out for the season now. Like, I guess he has structural damage in his neck, according to reports. Oof, that sucks. Um, so he might not only – his season might be over his – you know, I'm not – I don't think his – I haven't heard that his career is in threat of being over. But when it comes to the neck, yeah. So I, I, I want them to move on quarterback-wise. Kind of gives us a good excuse to move on from Daniel Jones. Um, <laughs> you know, the Giants have a decent defense, but – that's really all you can say positive about the Giants right now because their wide receivers can't stay healthy. Saquon Barkley can't stay healthy. Daniel Jones can't stay healthy. Joe Judge, just the, he said after they played Miami, it was so annoying that when they lose a game, they're losing a game 37 to 7, right? And they get a, a garbage point touchdown at the end of the game. In his press conference, well, I saw a lot of good things out of the offense today. What? <laughs> what are you talking about? If three and out every single time is your idea of good improvement, get out of here. <laughs> you know, is so, Mike Glennon the answer for the future? No. Mike Glennon's not <laughs> – no. I don't know how he got a, a position as a backup quarterback with the Giants. I mean, you're supposed to have a guy who is at least somewhat competent, and he just <laughs> looks awful. Yeah, I, I'm surprised. Like, there's no way he has a job next year, right? Like, there's absolutely no way. I, well, Giant fans, it's funny. Every single page that you can find, everyone's saying the same thing. Put in from, because right. we've seen enough out of this guy, but he seems to be still the start again. That's another thing on Joe Judge. You're still going to start this clown? I don't care that Fromm doesn't know the playbook. <laughs> Mike Lennon doesn't seem to know the playbook either. <laughs> it's funny. Well, I feel Mike, like we Mike, Mike Lennon can know the playbook inside and out, but you have to be able to throw the football if you're going to be a quarterback. <laughs> My goodness. I feel like we've had this conversation about the Giants before, too. What was it? Was it Laletta or something? <laughs> the third stringer behind Gino? Yeah. Like, screw it. Yeah, well, because that didn't make sense either. If you were going to bench Eli Manning and ruin his streak, at least put in Kyle Laletta, who was a rookie that year, as opposed to Gino Smith, who we saw in New York playing for the team that wears green in the same city, who sucked. You know, it made no sense. <laughs> it made yeah. no sense. But, but the Giants GM at the time, Wanted the Giants to finally start a black quarterback because they never had done that in the history of the franchise. Okay, whatever. Yeah, sure. Like, way to go. <laughs> they <laughs> lost that game, didn't they? Right. No, exactly. And it's it's tough because it really what you guys need is – you guys just need a reset at this point. Yes. Like, like you, you said, uh, like you, you've said a bunch of times that Dana, it's not Daniel Jones' fault that you guys are in this position, but he's also not – the guy, I feel like. Yeah, he's he, he it's not I, I don't want to I don't blame Daniel Jones for the Giants woes and all. What I would say about Daniel Jones is he's just not a generational he's not a quarterback who's going to w- win you games or lose you like he's not when you add Tom Brady to a team, whatever team is in the NFL, he's gonna come what comes with Tom Brady is probably ten wins. Tom Brady's probably worth at least ten wins. And then the pieces you put around him elevate that team to eleven, twelve, thirteen, or fourteen wins, right? Yeah. You take um Patrick Mahomes, he's worth 
10 wins. You take Herbert, he's going to be worth maybe eight wins. And then you got to put the right pieces around him. You get Jimmy Garoppolo. It's probably worth about six or seven wins because he just manages the game fine. Same with Kirk Cousins. I put Kirk Cousins in Jimmy Garoppolo's class. Daniel Jones is probably worth about four. <laughs> We're have four games where he just plays absolutely unbelievable on his legs and he makes the throws that he needs to make. And he can will you to four wins. But that's it. And that's not what you need. You need a guy who's going to be able to be the guy but you also don't want that quarterback to be the only part of your team in your offense, which will be a great transition out of the Giants to the Buffalo Bills because all they have is Josh Allen <laughs> on offense. <laughs> well, well, the issue—it seemed like the Giants do have some talent though on offense, right? But they can't stay healthy, right? Yeah. They have a terrible offensive line. Barkley can't stay healthy. I mean, it's hard for Bar—you can't blame Barkley for his lack of production because when he gets handed off the ball, there's already people in the backfield ready to <laughs> right. tackle him. It's not his fault. You know, if he goes to a team that has a good offensive line, he gets through a hole. He's going to explode out of – he's a big play running back. Right. Now, he, I, I have some problems with him being able to run downhill. He does a lot of, like, east-west running because he's trying to, you know, juke guys and do all that stuff. And I don't know if that's going to work in the NFL so well as it did for him at Penn State. But his lack of production is not his fault. It, you know, yeah. it's just he, he doesn't have a lot of protection uh, or blocking. And when that happens, you're getting hit a lot. You're going to get hurt. And that's what's been happening to Barkley. Right. Um, the wide receivers. I mean, we haven't had Sterling Shepard has not played in a, he's only played in a handful of games. Tony has only played in like three games full and the games he has played and he gets hurt in those too. Right. Galladay hasn't stayed healthy. So uh, Ingram hasn't stayed healthy through his career so far. It just, it, it, it's a mess. We need less brittle players. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you need better luck. That's really yeah. what it is, it sounds like. Uh, but that's what back. I'm afraid of. I'm, I'm afraid that the Giants are going to look at this season and say, well, it was really hard to evaluate these guys and not, you know, not give them at least another year because they were all hurt. You know, I'm afraid yeah. that that's going to be the, you know, they're yeah, going to give Joe Judge another, another chance. Another year of mediocrity. Players, yeah. You know? No. That's I, the, but, but Gettleman sounds like he's going to be out either way. He, either he's retiring or he's going to get fired. And I think he's going to take the approach to where he can save himself by just retiring. I love it. So I, I love mean, love to I, hear it. Whoever we get as our GM just needs to come in and make smart decisions and has to, it's kind of a hard thing to say, but you got to convert on the draft picks we get. We have yeah. the Chicago bears pick from giving them uh, the position to get Justin Fields. So we have their pick. So I hope the Chicago bears keep losing. Sorry to Sean, uh, <laughs> but I'm rooting for the, against the bears every week for that reason. And, then they have two picks in the first round. Hopefully the Giants can, you know, convert on those. That's my only hope. Well, there you go. And but like you said before, uh, Josh Allen, you're saying, is the Bills' only hope. I, I would disagree. I think everybody on their offense is very good. I just – other than their running backs. They're, well, their offensive line stinks. Well, right. I, I, it might not even be their running backs themselves. It's just – I was obviously talking about this with you and Nick and a couple other people. So obviously the Buffalo Bills lost to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers over the weekend. It was a very heartbreaking loss because they went down big in the first half and then made a miraculous comeback basically on Josh Allen's back to bring it to overtime. Now, the biggest issue with the Bills right now is they're so incredibly one-dimensional. Obviously, they're, they lean on their aerial attack with Josh Allen's big arm, but the issue is their offensive line is not good enough to pass block for an entire game consistently and allow Josh Allen the time to make the plays that he can make. Um, you need that balanced attack to keep a defense guessing. And unfortunately, every defense knows you, you guys are going to be throwing it 90% of the time. It makes it a lot easier 
for them to be prepared for everything that you're going to be throwing at them. So it, it being a one-dimensional offense hurts them so bad. And right now their, their defense is struggling um, in terms of stopping the run, uh, especially that because it, at any time they're playing against a physical running team, it seems they seem to be struggling. Yeah. I mean, look at the rushing totals. There were 19 total attempts by the bills, 12 of which were by Josh Allen. And then he threw the ball 54 times. So so 66 plays right. were in the hands of Josh Allen. Like, all right, go get him, buddy. And I mean, that's the tough thing, though, because it's not like they haven't tried, right? That they, they've had games this season where they have tried to run the ball and it hurts them because they can't move the ball at all. So it's like, what do you, you're damned if you do, damned if you don't right now, if you're Ryan Dable in this Bills offense. It's like, like what, what are you supposed to do to be consistently successful from week to week? I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, and the, and the Buccaneers, you know, they outplayed the Bills so heavily in the first half. And I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but to me, this is what I'm seeing from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They kind of are taking that New England approach. Um, you know how, like, we had Alex on, and he was like, oh, the regular season is just kind of a formality. Like, call me when the playoffs start. Yeah. I kind of has a feeling that the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have in these games, like, all right, you know, let's get through. They're just kind of playing through the motions in some of these games. Like, they got up to their 24 24- to three lead, and it's like, all right, we've got this one in the bag. But the Bills didn't roll over and die, so they're like, oh, shit, we actually have to start trying now. <laughs> well, and it, it's it almost cost many, them. I mean, it almost cost yeah, them the game. It, it definitely did. It's, it's it's nuts how many targets Chris Godwin is getting on uh, this Tampa Bay Bucks team. Like, like, even without Antonio Brown, it's just that all of his targets just went over to Chris Godwin, and they're still making it work. So, uh, yeah, we Godwin know, and Gronkowski. I mean, Tom right. Brady's a different quarterback when Gronk is there or versus he's not there. That's your Gronk has definitely had a really good year so far this year. This Bucks team is going to be so scary uh, in the playoffs. Um, obviously, with the playoffs, it's kind of there's a lot of luck involved. Which team shows up? Anybody can win that that makes the playoffs for the most part. Um, so you never know. But it it kind of does seem like Tampa Bay and the uh, Green Bay Packers are going to be meeting in the NFC Championship game again. Um, but you never know. No, you never know. But you know, with the Cardinals losing that, you know, this season has been such a week to week thing, like whether or not teams struggle with injuries or they have COVID or just whatever it is, this has just been a very week to week storyline season where you can't really put anybody out there as like, Oh, they're the clear favor in the AFC or they're the clear favor in the NFC because teams are so up and down. But, uh, for the most part, green Bay and Tampa Bay have looked the most consistent Mm -hmm. all season. Um, so, I mean, and the Cardinals, the shocking thing about them, I saw the stat line during the game. They're 7-0 and this year on the road, but they're 3-3 three and three at home. Yeah, shocking. So, you kind of want to be like, if you're Arizona, hey, you know what, guys, let's just kind of, once we clinch, let's just throw every game. <laughs> Make sure we're playing on the road. There you go. Well, dude, I, I, losing D-Hop, DeAndre Hopkins, Ooh. for the rest of the season, that's huge. Well, he's, not, he's out for the rest of the regular season because I guess oh. it's a six-week – it is a six-week recovery time for his injury. So okay. he potentially, if they make it to the second or third round of the playoffs, he could be there for like the, AF, the NFC championship or divisional round and then possibly the Super Bowl if the Cardinals make it that far. But you're right. It's a huge loss. Anybody who's smart probably picked up A.J. Green in, uh, in fantasy, which I know you did. So good on you. <laughs> yeah. Keeping him from, from Dupes' team. <laughs> yes. I got an anonymous source sent me the, uh, the information uh, just as it happened. So. Yeah. Uh, it probably in a very venting fashion because the week before. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I, um, 
another big thing that happened this week in the NFL was the loss of Lamar Jackson during the Cleveland Baltimore game, yep. an ankle injury. I mean, is he supposed to play this week? Do we know? Has that dropped? That news dropped yet? I, I mean, have gonna be, not seen anything yet. No. It's going to be my Super Bowl preview between Green Bay and Baltimore playing each other. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, the, the injury when I saw it, it happen, it really didn't seem like it was that intensive a tackle. Like it seemed like it was just kind of a weird barely any contact injury which is obviously scary whenever that happens uh, it says not at lamar jackson not at practice in portion open to reporters today so yeah it says he's day-to-day it's a sprained ankle which is not good so i mean what's going to hold up more uh his ankle or aaron Rodgers' toe <laughs> i would say aaron Rodgers' toe judging from his uh interviews with pat mcfee every single week he says it's something he can play through for the rest of the season um he says surgery isn't really an option yeah He'll be fine. Yeah, he'll be fine. Unless somebody steps on his foot, he'll be fine. But <laughs> that's what my dad said. My dad was like, hey, if I was playing against Green Bay, I'd just walk by Rodgers and step on his toe. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, there's probably so much intentional foot stomping going on. But these guys Especially are tough. They're NFL playing, players. If they're going to be playing Tampa Bay, you know when Dominican Sue has it out for Rodgers. He hates Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> and he's a dirty player. <laughs> <laughs> that's very true. I never thought about that. We'll have to watch for that when they make uh, play each other in the championship game. <laughs> yeah. Um, but it's uh, – I think we have an interesting AFC matchup this week between the Patriots and the Colts on Saturday. The big one. Both teams uh, are kind of been on the rise a little bit. The Indianapolis Colts obviously struggled at the beginning of the year, but now they're kind of fighting for one of those wild card spots, New England being the number one seed. I, I still think New England wins the AFC East, but a little prediction. I think the Colts win this game. Yeah, I wouldn't I be surprised. Colts, I think the Colts find a way to win this game at home. Uh, I think if this was in – with this matchup, I would have picked whoever was at home. So, I'm going with the Colts. What I, about you? These, these two teams are very similar. Um, they, they rely a lot on the run. Uh, the quarterbacks don't really have to do much, and they play good defense. Yeah. Um, I agree with you. I do think the Colts will win this game. The only way they're going to lose this game is, Carson, is if Carson Wentz makes the mistakes that we know we've seen him make before. Yeah. Um, but Jonathan Taylor, I mean, he's an MVP candidate. The man has been running all over – Everybody, they're going to ride that run game for this entire game. And it's probably going to be kind of a boring game, to be honest. Just a lot, a lot of ground game, uh, not too many high-flying plays. But I don't, I don't know, man. I know you're might, big on the pass this year. Might be the fastest game, too. Might, you know, because the game yeah. starts at – it's like at 8 o'clock, I think, on Saturday, 8.20. It'll probably be uh, done by 10, you know, because they're going to be running so much clock. But, uh, you know, it's going to be cool to see a Saturday game for the first time this year along with the Cleveland Raiders game, which is now not very exciting at all because – all the Browns have COVID. So, yeah. Dude, uh, COVID has been, is a huge issue this week. Yeah. Uh, Where are all I these mean, players going? Right, exactly. Like, I saw Jalen Waddle is out. Odell Beckham has COVID. Fucking uh, someone else has COVID. I can't remember who else. But there, there was a bunch that I saw. And, uh, oh, Tyler Lockett was another big one. Yeah. Um, it, it's it's kind of crazy how, like, I think they said 76 players tested positive for COVID yesterday. Like, that's wild. Well, I think it's, it, you know, the weather's getting colder. I mean, obviously today in central New York, it was 64 degrees. So it's like, hey, cool. You know, right. but uh, overall, the weather's getting colder. It's getting more into the wintertime. And you know how even before COVID, people got colds and the flu more when it was the wintertime. So I, I think it's only natural we're going to see an uprise in cases across the United States when it comes to COVID during the colder months of the year. Um, but yeah, it, it's, uh, it's really crazy that, you know, if you're – picking teams to win you don't know sometimes if like hey is the full squad going to be out there because of 
you know, a positive COVID test, whether yeah. you have symptoms or you're asymptomatic. And it sucks too, because it's probably going to get worse. So we're getting into the most important part of the season, uh, late season games where so many more teams in the history of the NFL than ever in the history of the NFL are in contention for a playoff spot. Now, obviously the three playoff spots kind of inflates that in some way, but it's just nuts to think that there are so many teams fighting for these spots and it doesn't really seem like any team is pulling away from the pack. Right. Yeah. I mean, it's an interesting race in both conferences for the wild card. I mean, you have uh, from the sixth seed down to the 10th seed in the AFC, they're all seven and six. So it's going to be week to week for those teams. And then you got Pittsburgh uh, and the Raiders and the Dolphins on the outside looking in there because they're all six and seven, except for those Steelers who are six, six and one. Right. And then you have the NFC where the bottom tier of the conference is you've got the 49ers at seven and six. And then you've got Washington, Minnesota, Philadelphia, Atlanta, and New Orleans all at six and seven. And then you have Carolina and Seattle at five and eight, who still realistically mathematically have a chance to squeeze in one of those spots too, if they go on a little run. You know, the only teams out of it in the NFC really are the Detroit Lions, the Chicago Bears, and the New York Giants. <laughs> you know, so. <laughs> oh, man. So, but it's, it, it's going to be a fun, interesting race to see how it plays out. And at the top of the conference in the NFC, you've got three teams that are 10 and 3. And then the other two teams below that are 9 and 4. So. It's a lot more top heavy. Yeah. And then in the AFC, you've got three teams that are 9 and 4 between the Patriots, the Titans, and the Chiefs. Now, right. I think that home field advantage means more to new England and Tennessee than Kansas city. Personally, yeah. I know that arrowhead's a tough place to play. It's just, I feel like Kansas city's going to benefit. I, I think that they would have a better chance going into Tennessee or new England and beating one of those teams than the role reversal. Like I think Tennessee needs to be in home to beat Kansas city yeah. uh, or new England and new England needs to be at home to beat Tennessee or Kansas city. But I have a hard time believing without Tom Brady that new England can go into Kansas city and win. And I don't know if Tennessee can beat, the Chiefs going to Kansas City and winning. But I feel like if Kansas City has to go to New England or Tennessee, te- Kansas City's up to that challenge, but I think it'll be easier for Tennessee and New England to maybe fend them off, hold them off. I don't know. I feel like with Derrick Henry back, the Titans might be the best team in the AFC. Yeah, I, the, and that's what we viewed them as when he was there. So it's kind of hard to just completely write them off. Right. Um, I don't know, man. Can't forget about those Buffalo Bills. I, I am. Uh, <laughs> I am because, I, because I, again, the Bills have not proven to me that they can really beat anybody who's competent. I mean, look at their, if you look at their wins this year, okay, yeah, they beat Kansas City, who has a great winning record now. But when right. they played Kansas City, Kansas City was, like, really struggling and not finding themselves. They, uh, let's see, Miami, 6-7, and seven, losing record right now. Washington, 6-7. and seven. Houston, obviously, is a re- losing record. Um, you played Miami again, the Jets, um, they, the Saints. So well, those are the, those are the, those are the Bills' wins. Right. This is who they've lost to. They lost to Tampa Bay, winning record. New England, winning record. Colts, winning record. Titans, winning record. No, no, I know. No, I, I 100% agree with you. If they ended up somehow pulling out this Tampa Bay win, which I mean they were damn close, do you think that your tune would have changed? Yeah. No, because I feel like I feel like more Tampa Bay took their foot off the gas and the Bills being really good. That's, yeah, that's what fair. I think. That's um, so uh, they've got four games left, three of which they have to win yeah. if they want to have a fighting chance with all these teams being so close. They have to beat Carolina, they have to beat Atlanta, and they have to beat the Jets. New England is a game that I feel like if they win their last four, Bills are in the playoffs. Oh, yeah. But if they definitely. lose that game to the Patriots, they could be borderline not even making the playoffs. So 
really it's important for the Bills to win out, but if they drop any of those three games that they need to win, like yeah. that are that they should win, they really you might if you're a Bills fan, you might want to you know take your expectations down from well, we're at least going to make the playoffs. No, you might not. Right. You might not. No, exactly. With how close the race is, that's for sure. But some of these teams are going to be knocking each other off. Um, and at 10 and 7, I, that, that's very realistic to make the playoffs, I think. And, and, and that should happen. There's no way they should lose to the Panthers, Falcons, and Jets. There's no way. All, all three of those teams uh, the, are struggling. Like, all, three of those game, all three of those teams aren't really good. And all three of those games are at home. Right. So they have exactly. no excuse not to win that. Their only road game <laughs> left is at New England. Right. Now, you could argue we didn't get a good glimpse of how the Patriots and Bills match up against each other because the weather was just so bad. Yeah. At the same time, I think it's a very fair criticism from Jimmy Johnson, who's a Hall of Fame head coach, that you play in Buffalo and you don't have a good run game. (laughs) Right. No, no, it's 100% true. I said that the week after that game. I was like, this Buffalo team is not built to be successful in Buffalo. Like, it doesn't make any sense. Um but you're right. I, I think the Bills go 10 and 7. I think they get those wins as long as Josh Allen is fully healthy. I know he's dealing with uh, an injury that he suffered towards the end of the Tampa Bay game. He was seen with a walking boot after the game. It sounds like it's not that serious. Um, I think it's questionable right now. So we'll see how that plays out. But I, I still believe in the Buffalo Bills to at least make the playoffs. I definitely don't think they're one of the best teams in the AFC right now. But I mean, who knows, man? They could turn it on at the absolute perfect time. There's still a lot of time. That's hey, I, I'm very familiar with a team that can turn it on in the last minute and go on a run. I mean, the Giants. Hey, ten years ago when they won the Super Bowl, yes, I still live in the past a little bit. Who else do I have? <laughs> you need to. Yeah, they were nine and seven. They were nine and seven going into the playoffs, and they won the Super Bowl. Right. You know, so yeah. anything can happen. You can go on a run at any time, and hopefully, it's sooner rather than later. Um, right now, you have two teams that are fighting for the division title, playing as we're recording this, and it was ten nothing Chiefs, but now it's fourteen to ten Chargers. Yeah. So who knows? I really oh. want to see the Chargers win that division because I, I, I would love Herbert to really excel and, and be good because I really like the guy. So. Oh, yeah, and I was actually listening to the beginning of this game and Trey Aikman was saying, like, this kid's, like, still learning the game. Like, he still is so raw and has a lot to learn about being a quarterback, and he's already one of the best in the league. Like, the sky's the limit for this guy. Like, I know Pat Mahomes kind of did the same thing, but – it's kind of more impressive the way Justin Herbert's doing it because he has less to work with. Pat Mahomes has just been surrounded by amazing offensive talent for his entire career. Justin Herbert's had Keenan Allen. Keenan Allen is a wonderful receiver and he's definitely underrated. But I mean, other than that, I mean, Austin Eckler is a great running back, but those guys are Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. Yeah. Having Andy Reid as a coach. Like Herbert's had two different coaches in two years. Yeah. It's so impressive what he's been doing. Absolutely. And he has such a huge arm and he can run with the ball, but he doesn't force throws down the field and he doesn't run unnecessarily. He kind of runs only when he has to kind of stays in the pocket and he makes smart throws. And you know, this game really determines who wins the division in a way, because if the chargers win this game, they both have the same record. So it comes down to the last who does better the next four weeks. If the chiefs win though, it gives them a two game lead and they still have momentum. They still have to play us. some, I think they still have to play Denver, and, and I think they have another easy game on their schedule. So I think that for Kansas City, they win the division if they win tonight with the Chargers. It gets, still gives them a hope to win, and it would be their second win against the Chiefs. So we'll see. But I want to talk about the other team in L.A. who kind of shot down a narrative this past week, which was Matthew Stafford. When he came to L.A., everyone was saying, oh, you know, the reason he you know wasn't 
excelling in playoffs or anything or because he played for Detroit. He never had a shot. You know, Detroit was holding him back. And the Rams played really well to start the season. But then when they started losing games like, you know, they lost to the Cardinals and they got killed by the 49ers on Monday Night Football, everyone was like, oh, well, Matthew Stafford's good. But is he really any much of an improvement over Jared Goff? I mean, look at these stats of Jared Goff X amount of weeks in versus Matthew Stafford's stats. And, oh, Matthew Stafford can't win in a big game. Well, Matthew Stafford just went to Arizona and beat a team that was leading the division. And now they knocked him down a peg and forced Arizona to go from the number one seed to the three seed. And now they're only one game back at the division lead. So I think that the Rams and Matthew Stafford kind of shot down that narrative. Crazy how things can change in one week, man. It's, it's week to week. It's absolutely <laughs> yeah. week to week. And you were saying before, it might come down to the Packers and the Buccaneers and the NFC Championship. But don't sleep on those L.A. Rams. And a team I don't want to give any kind of credit to, but I, you have to. The Dallas Cowboys are a team to be watched for, too. Hey, man, they almost choked that game away, though, against Washington with the pick six on Dak with four minutes left to bring it with seven. But, but have you seen Parsons <laughs> on, on Dallas? I know. I know. He's nasty. That guy, he, he's probably the best defensive player in football, and he's a rookie. Yeah, people are making comparisons to your boy LT, Lawrence Taylor. I, I don't think it's out of the question. He'd be the I first – uh, rookie to win defensive player of the year since him. So there you go. Uh, yeah. I mean, he, he literally can do everything on defense. He, he can, he, I, he, I saw him in coverage. He was deep down the field in coverage, covering a wide receiver. He can rush the passer. He, can, he So he can play defensive end. He can play linebacker. Heck, he showed that he could probably play corner. You know, he can do pretty much. <laughs> he, You're he, like, why did the Giants draft him? What the hell? Right. <laughs> Fucking sucks. <laughs> so, so, you know, I, I, I think that Dallas is another team that, They've had their struggles, which is really – again, the Dallas Cowboys are a really strange team because they always have a really good team on paper but never seem to put it together. Right. And their offense has a lot of talent, yeah. and the defense now has a lot of talent. But can they put it together? And if they can put it together, they're a dangerous team because they almost beat Tampa Bay. I feel like they can beat Green Bay. I feel like they can beat Arizona. So they, they could challenge these teams at the top of the NFC. And I, I, if, I wouldn't want to play Dallas if I were one of these teams. Now, Dallas has a very – doormat game this week where they go to MetLife Stadium and play the Mike Glennon-led Giants, which I'm not even going to watch because I'm going to go see Spider-Man. I'm going to occupy my time more more usefully. I love uh, it. I love it. So He's I'm, given up. I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to watch like the first quarter because the, game, the movie doesn't start till 3.20. But <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm not going to waste my energy because I, I know that the Giants are going to lose. By then, so, they'll be down by 14 points anyway. So Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> You know, f- fuck that game. So, <laughs> so yeah, I, so I, I, I'm really as disappointed as I am to be this deep into the season and know that my team's not going to be a part of the postseason. I'm excited to see the postseason play out and see who comes out on top. And I just hope to God that Dallas doesn't make the Super Bowl. Anything else that happens, I'm kind of content with. I do know that most NFL fans don't want this to happen, but I do think it would be a fun storyline if the Super Bowl was New England versus Tampa Bay. I think that would be really fun. Uh, but I also – a quarterback who I'd like to see make the Super Bowl because I feel like his – just how good he is, he deserves to just at least play in another Super Bowl, is Aaron Rodgers. I agree, 100%. You know, like he made the Super Bowl in 2010. They won. The next season they went 15-1 and got knocked out by, you know – a more superior Hall of Fame quarterback in Eli Manning, but he hasn't been near the, you know, he hasn't been past the NFC championship game since he keeps getting there, but he keeps falling short. So it'd be interesting to see green Bay there, but I also, you know, I, I like Matthew Stafford and it would be cool to see the Rams there. Um, I respect Tom Brady. So if they make it back, I would, you know, not, I wouldn't cry over it. Just don't want Dallas to make it. 
<laughs> there you go. That's fair. And isn't it just incredibly sad that there is a record, a record number of teams still in contention for the playoffs, and both of our teams are not in that boat? Like, why, why do we do this to ourselves? What are we even doing here? You know, it's worse for you than it is for me because I can at least go back to some history and have some success. Your team has has had success really. They had the one in 2016, which you were there for. And in the 1990s when they had Coach Coughlin taking the two straight AFC championships. But that's yeah. it. That's all they've got. Everything else has been a schmuck. <laughs> yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's incredibly sad. It is incredibly sad. But um, it's still awesome to see the NFL have this much parody, this much excitement over who's going to make it in, who's going to just miss and just be short. Um, so, so far, I've really been enjoying this NFL season. It is so painful to force myself to watch the Jags, but I'm usually paying attention to the other games too because for fantasy purposes or whatever it may be. So, um, it's I kind of like voluntary torture. It's kind of like, it's like okay, I, I got to get through this part of my week. You know, it's yeah. like going to work. You know, you're like, oh, I got to go to work today. I kind of, it's something I have to do. That's what it kind of feels like to watch the Bills, uh, watch the uh, Giants and the Jags for us. <laughs> usually when, once this part of the season comes around, I kind of, I just switch the game. If it gets out of hand, if the Jags are down by like three scores, I'm like, okay, well, they're definitely not coming back. I'm not wasting my time watching this. Yeah. Um, or, or if I felt like the Giants had a competitive chance to beat Dallas, then I would watch the game. But I know that they're not going to. And it's like, okay, all my brothers are home and I'm, the new Spider-Man's out. So fuck football. I'm going to go watch the movie. <laughs> I don't even know who the – I think the Jags actually have a chance to win this week, though. They're playing Houston. Yeah, they're playing – Oh, my God. That is going to be a matchup for the ages. Davis Mills, baby, getting that starting job. Oh, man, that is going to be ugly as shit. I mean, hey, last time it didn't work out so well for the Jags and they played Houston. <laughs> I think the Jags are two-and-a-half-point favorites. At this point in the season, they're two-and-a-half-point favorites against a team. How sad is that? <laughs> Pretty sad. Yeah, that just means the Texans have been just – and they, they have the, the number one uh, draft pick right now, right, because the Lions have a tie? No, the Lions only have one win, so the Lions still have the number one draft pick. Texans only have one win too, though, don't they? No, no, they're two and eleven. Are they two and eleven? Who else did they beat other than the Jags? I can't remember. Uh, let's see. It's a good question. I remember it being kind of shocking that they. Oh, they beat Tennessee. Mm. They upset the right Titans. In that shitty weather game. Yeah. Okay, I remember that now. Yeah. So. Yeah, I mean. Yeah. Uh. So they have the number three pick. Then the Jags have the number two pick. Let's go. I love it. Well, will you love it if the Jags beat the Texans and then <laughs> lose that draft spot? At, at this point, I don't give a shit, dude. Like, hitting on your draft picks seems so difficult that, like, trying to tank to get a good draft pick, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what the strategy should be anymore for the Jags. I don't know if there is one. Right. <laughs> true. True, yeah. I mean, right now, the way it stands is it's Detroit, Jacksonville, Houston, uh, and then the Jets. But I don't know. Does Houston did Houston trade away one of their draft picks? Because I don't know. Maybe the cause I, I remember seeing the Jets had two picks really high up. I'm wondering if the Jets have the Texans draft pick. Uh, who knows, man? If that's the case, that sucks. Because <laughs> oh, you know who? Is? No, no, no. They have Seattle's draft pick. That's right. They have Seattle's draft pick. Okay. And, and so Seattle winning now is starting to fuck over Jets fans, which I think is hilarious. <laughs> that is hilarious. We you know what wasn't hilarious. Syracuse basketball losing to Georgetown. That was incredibly uh, frustrating. Uh, of all the games you could, like, not want to – you don't want to see them lose, you don't want to see them losing to Georgetown of all teams. 
Yeah, that that was a sad one because they they wanted to have up ten points, and then they ended up losing the second half by fourteen. It, this you've said you've said it last week. This team is so good in the first half. It, I think you said this, and then they fall off. Once yeah, they come out of that locker room in the second half. I don't understand how this keeps happening. Yeah, I mean the thing with with Syracuse is they're not a very athletic team. Yeah, so they don't have that lockdown two three zone based on athleticism that they've had in the past. Like yes, they have better shooters than they've had in the past, but again, if you live and die by the three point shot, if your team is cold, you're not going to win games. And unfortunately, if the fact that they're they're scoring more, we're think we, I remember we thinking this after the first couple of games like wow since they're going to be scoring so much more with that two three zone. Like they're going to hold teams to like 45, 50 points. Syracuse is going to score 60 to 70, and they're going to just tank over people. But the problem is they don't have as locked down of a defense, so other teams are scoring just as much, if not more, than Syracuse, and that's why they're losing games. So I don't know. I, this team is going to end up being a bubble team once again. Hopefully they get in, and hopefully they can uh, be a team that shocks in the tournament. But, again, they don't have the lockdown 2-3 zone that will shock teams that are not familiar with it in the tournament. Exactly. So I don't know. It's it, it's hard to be really confident in Syracuse this year, unfortunately. Um, hey man, we'll they're going to destroy Lehigh in their next matchup. You and would then we're think gonna be maybe have a completely different tune on this team. This team is winning the chip. You would think. I mean, that's what you want. To, that's what you want. But uh, hey, they're still at the top of the ACC standings because they've only played one ACC game and they won it. So let's go, dude. You know, let's just hope that Syracuse continues to be. <laughs> you know, at the top of the, uh, of the conference and we'll just see what happens. I'm excited, but one exciting basketball note that has nothing to do with college basketball was Stephen Curry breaking the three all-time three point record. And our friend Chris was there in the garden to witness it. His, I'm uh, so jealous. His girlfriend Joyce is a massive Golden State Warriors fan. So that must've been such a cool experience to see I'm, who I'm guessing is her favorite player break a record like that. Seeing that video was really cool. Um, that, that's definitely a once-in-a-lifetime experience, obviously. So, uh, yeah. good for them. Good for and Steph Curry. He definitely deserves it. By far the best shooter in the history of the NBA. I don't care who says what, who thinks what. You're wrong if it's not Steph Curry. And his shot, the, the shot that broke the record was like a perfect shot, too. Like, it yeah. just like, – like, the net just snapped with it. It was perfect. And I loved how Ray Allen was there. Because, mm-hmm. you know, Reggie Miller was there when Ray Allen broke Reggie's record. So Ray Allen went there to be there. Uh, you know, Steph hugged his dad, his mom, and and Ray Allen. And the fact that the Madison Square Garden was able to put that thing up on the monitor and, like, they really stopped the game to allow Steph to have that moment I thought was really great. And I loved – because you and I have gone on rants about the Jags and the Giants tonight. I loved how Stephen A. Smith on ESPN the next day, because he's a Knicks fan, was like, Congrats to Steph Curry and all that, but I got to be honest, I'm tired of the Knicks being the doormat to everybody's great moment. <laughs> Whether it's, it's Michael performing in the garden or Kobe or LeBron, now Steph, when are the Knicks going to have a performance in the garden for crying out loud? <laughs> it's, it's a very good point. Every like, great player has a historic performance in the garden, and you can't think of that many Knicks players to do that, and they play substantially more games in that venue. So that's, that is very sad to think about. And Stephen A has a very good point there. I am sorry to all Knicks fans out there. I know you guys are passionate, but ugh, rough franchise. I know how it feels. Yeah. But it, no, congrats to Steph Curry. I thought that was awesome. He's such a fun player to watch. And 
Um, you know, it's weird seeing Golden State back at the top of the West. You don't have that feeling of God. I want Golden State to get knocked off because it doesn't feel as unfair with Kevin Durant not yeah. being there. Like when Kevin Durant was there, it was because I like like when they won the finals the first time without Kevin Durant, it was like you know it was cool to see Golden State win. They're never there. This this is awesome. Uh, but then when they got Kevin Durant, it's like oh well, fuck you guys. You guys have just been the two straight finals. You won one of them. Uh, and now you're adding this guy because you lost because Draymond Green couldn't keep his head out of his ass and not taunt LeBron enough. <laughs> he cost you guys a series. <laughs> yeah, so now no, you add I, this I guy to make not. it completely unfair. So I'm glad yeah. to see it. But, but also that's what helps kind of root for Kevin Durant in Brooklyn is because it, you don't feel like he's on a stack team with the Nets because Kyrie Irving's been out um, because of his, you know, vaccine uh, stance. And I saw something, I almost commented on it, but I, I, I really don't really participate with social media as much anymore. I kind of just observe it sure. as opposed to comment on it. And there was something that was like, Kyrie might be back this year. And Kyrie's like pointing up into the sky while holding a basketball. And I wanted to write, no one misses him. Who cares? <laughs> <laughs> that would have been a good comment. I would have appreciated that. That is very but, funny. But, uh, but I didn't. So, you know, because I mean, people are like saying, oh, he's leaving Kevin Durant out to dry. Oh, yeah. The Nets are at the top of the Eastern Conference. Shut up. Yeah, I think they'll be okay. Um, I have a question for you. What the hell is going on with Zion Williamson? Like, wasn't he supposed to be some like crazy blockbuster player? And he, like, does he just like not want to get in shape? Is that what it is? And... I don't know what, what <laughs> I mean. He, I saw a thing earlier that he has played as many games in his first three years as Greg Oden did for the Portland Trailblazers, or actually, it might have been less. Yeah, I think it was less. That, that's crazy. He's been in the league for three years already. Well, this is his third year. Like, that's. That's nuts, and we've barely seen him play. It's been a spectacle every time he's played because it happens so few times. Yeah, he's got to lay off the Big Macs. I don't know what's going on with that, but he's just <laughs> his feet just can't not... handle his weight. No, no. Uh, look, he's yeah, unfortunately he needs my metabolism, where he yeah. can eat whatever he wants and not gain any weight. Um, which I know a lot of people here are probably like, oh, fuck you, Mike, but <laughs> sorry. Uh, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I think that's what he needs. No, he just, I, I don't know. Does he have dietitians and nutritionalists around him? I'm telling sure him he what? does, but he probably just doesn't listen to him. <laughs> like at the end of the day, you have to do it. Like, like these people can't force this healthy food down your throat and keep you from reaching for that bag of chips. Like, like, and that's why I struggle with it mightily. <laughs> <laughs> Because yeah, but you don't have access to professional uh, <laughs> nutritionalists or dietitians or anything to kind of, or, or uh, you don't pay for a trainer as far as I know. I so <laughs> uh, yeah, no, I, do I look like I pay for a trainer? No. Drew, you're a stud. What are you talking about? Oh, well, thank you. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I'm surprised you're saying that because I promised you I would watch uh, Pirates of the Caribbean. And I didn't do it. You're being, you're being very nice to me. I wouldn't have guessed. You know, cause I, I know we made a gentleman's agreement and I know you're a man of your word. You're going to adhere to it. Cause you'll feel guilty if you break that promise. Cause yes. I held up my sure. end of the bargain. I, I'll be honest though. Every time someone recommends something to me, it's a very low percentage that I usually watch it. And I feel so bad every time. But like we made Chris, a deal. This is yeah, different. This yeah, is just me recommending a movie. We made a deal. So yeah, it I, was a gentleman's agreement. You're right. Yeah. I figured, I, I figured, cause I, I'm like, okay, so Kristen goes to bed at like nine 30. So he has to wait for her to go to bed. Cause she's not going to be interested in this movie. And I'm like, but Drew stays up till like 11 or 12. So he'll watch it. No, I'm like, no, nope, like, oh, I will watch it though. I, anybody listening who's a big pirates fan. I know it's crazy. I haven't seen this movie series. I know there's like six of them. Right. 
there's five, but there's five. The, 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 the first one is the one that people are like, you've never seen that because if you like the first one, then you're going to watch the sequels. But the first one is by far the best one. Second one's good. Third one's okay. Fourth one sucks. And fifth one's okay. okay. So really, the, but the first one's really, really good. So that's why I recommend it. And the movie that he recommended that I watched that I was going to watch anyway, I just was putting it off was uh, the Marvel movie Shang-Chi, which was very good, which was very good. Yeah. Um, Drew, propped it up as the best marvel movie in his opinion he wasn't like saying it absolutely i wasn't saying it's the one. best i'm saying it's my favorite okay That's a, there's a difference there's definitely a difference there. you're right <laughs> yeah. um and it was very good uh yeah. i would put it i i would put it in the middle tier of marvel movies sure. but, it was, but what was good about that movie was that it just like gardens of the galaxy dr strange it was a marvel movie without feeling like a marvel movie it kind of was its own thing but yeah. still in the collection of Marvel, which just expands that universe even more, which is impressive since they've made so many movies. Right. And they're just coming off of, you know, Infinity War and Endgame. And now they kind of have to start this new generation of Marvel. I heard it. I haven't seen it yet, but I heard Eternals was fucking awful. It didn't really look like it was going to be good. So I'm not surprised. <laughs> but early returns on Spider-Man are fantastic. Oh, of course. I mean, I'm avoiding, I'm avoiding all spoilers and everything because i'm not seeing it till sunday so that's something that i'm looking forward to and i'm, I'm obviously i'm skipping football to watch that um but uh no Shang chi was really good it was uh it was cool to kind of see just some new characters added that i'd never heard of before and sure. uh kind of an interesting concept with the 10 rings so anyway i, I just loved it so much because of the fight scenes they were so good best hand-to-hand combat fight scenes that you'll ever see in the Marvel universe. Um, and that type of stuff is what really draws me in. And anything with like Asian culture, like I always appreciate that type of stuff too. So love that movie. Glad you liked it as well. Yeah. Uh, anything else? Um, in terms of sports, uh, the biggest upset in the history of the UFC happened over the weekend. Um, oh, tell us about that. Yeah. Amanda Nunes uh, was the uh, women's bantamweight champion. I believe, uh, let, let me verify, I forgot what weight class, but she had been dominating every single opponent that was put in front of her. Uh, I believe she was a minus 1,100 favorite coming into this fight. Wow. And, uh, <clears throat> she came out looking very sluggish against Juliana Pena and uh, was uh, eventually taken to the ground and submitted. Um, so that was by far the biggest upset in the history of the UFC. Charles Oliveira, an unknown champion, unknown champion for the lightweight division ended up defeating Dustin Poirier in the main event, which was also uh, kind of a surprise. I mean, they were pretty close in terms of the betting odds, but I think a lot of people thought that Dustin Poirier was going to come out with that win since he beat Conor McGregor twice in a row. He was a uh, top of the moon. Um, but Charles Oliveira is uh, he's for real. Do you think it's fair to say that consistently uh, that UFC for, for women's sports, Women's UFC might be the most popular women's sport in terms of a male and female audience because obviously the most popular women's team is the U.S. women's right. team, but that only is every four years. Like after they play in like the World Cup, no one gives yeah. a shit about women's soccer. Yeah, at least I, the average, the average, the average sports fan. I'm not saying because there are definitely passionate fans for women's soccer sure. all year round, but I'm saying like as a collective average sports fan, the average Joe, uh, male or female, I feel like women's UFC gets the most eyeballs for their events versus like WNBA or women's soccer or women's tennis or golf or women's um, college basketball. I mean, do you think that's fair? I think when, so I think women's tennis 
might give it a run for its money when it was like the peak of Serena and Venus and um, Sharapova and all all of them when they were all battling at the top. I know, I I remember when we were growing up, we would always see them on SportsCenter and I I feel like they they got a lot of coverage in the media, but I 100% agree now that the UFC and mixed martial arts, they, they talk about the women in pound for pound greatest of all time conversations um, they, they covered the women's fights basically just as much as the men's fights. There isn't as much hype around them, which rightly so that their fights are a little bit more boring because there isn't these crazy knockouts and crazy finishes because it's more technical. And, uh, these women are so fundamentally sound, but they, there's a lot of respect regardless in the MMA media and then MMA fan base for these women, because they are just that damn good. So yeah, I, that's actually a really great observation. I never realized that until you just said that, but it's definitely true. Yeah, I mean, because again, I, I think the most popular women's team or, or entity in sports is definitely the U.S. women's national team. But again, they only get that kind of love every four years. Right. And, and, and then once that kind of all dissipates, then uh, there isn't a huge fan base, I think, from the average sports fan for women's soccer. But I feel like women's UFC seems, seems to get the most attention. I haven't looked at like actual numbers to prove that out. It's just my outside information outside um observation looking in I, for as a percentage of the fan base really following and caring about the women's side of that sport mma is untouched i 100 percent agree um that like people where will even talk even well before this last fight that amanda nunez might be the best pound for pound fighter of all time which yeah. is kind of crazy to talk about uh when uh you're talking about a very vicious and aggressive sport like mixed martial arts but that's a good observation mike i give you yeah. a gold star for that one look at that take it <laughs> all right michael you got anything else for us uh no i think that we've covered everything i hope everybody uh you know if you're a fan of a team that is in the race uh this week for an nfl playoff spot hopefully uh your team pulls through and it's exciting for you the rest of the way if you're a fan of the Jags, the Jets, the Giants, the Lions, the Texans, let's hope that our teams convert on their draft picks so that we can be better next year. I can't believe those are the only teams that are not in contention. Holy shit. What the <laughs> hell are we doing, man? Ugh. Well, you know, what's, what's sad is that, you know, you've got three teams right now with 10 wins. Uh, and then you've got four or five teams, three, like three or four teams with, with uh, 10 wins, and then another three or four with nine. The Giants and the Jets combined don't have seven. Or have seven. They don't even have eight combined. They're two teams. That's how sad New York football is. I know what – and, again, I know you, that you Bills fans are saying, hey, the Bills play in New York. They're part of New York football. I'm talking strictly about the teams that represent New York City. All right. All right. All right. Money Mike <laughs> gets his little rant in there at the end. Well, I hope you guys enjoy the next week of the NFL season. This NFL season has been amazing, and I'm sure is only going to get better as the weeks come. Money Mike, I hope you have a wonderful weekend. Enjoy Spider-Man. Oh, will do. I hope you all enjoyed the podcast. Thanks for listening to another damn sports podcast.